Hey, good morning, Victory. How you doing? Come on, let's put your hands together. Welcome, welcome. My name is Troy, my wife Darla, who is just up here. Uh, it is our honor and privilege to be able to be your pastor of this incredible, incredible church. Uh, if you are visiting, as Brian and Darla have said, we'd love for you to get connected, find ways to find your tri tribe, whether it be groups or serving, different ways, uh, so that church becomes more than just you kind of coming in and leaving, but you feel like you're a part of something special. I would like to say a couple of things before we get into the word. First of all, I always like to honor, celebrate what God's doing through our church financially with those who give faithfully every month and what we're able to do. And for the past couple of weeks, we'll actually turn our attention, I'm really excited, next week to about something that we're doing uh, in a different country when in regards to Bibles, but we'll talk about that next week. But in the past couple of weeks, I've been promoting that we were going to have Men of Valor graduation in this house this past Tuesday. I'm excited to announce that this past Tuesday, watch this, over 140 people from Men of Valor were in this room, all right? Um, I saw four of the guys this morning in our nine o'clock service, which was amazing, including the guy that graduated 12 months. And it was just phenomenal to be able to love on those guys, support them, watching them worship with their family as our incredible worship team led them. Uh, we had over 25 volunteers. Let's go. Put your hands together for that. And man, they served food, they mopped, they cleaned up. It, I, oh, my heart, oh, overwhelmed by just not only the men being able to be blessed, but people of our church owning it and coming in and saying, I'm here to serve Jesus. And I talked to the leader of the ministry, and he said, he said, I can't explain to you how incredible it is to be able to come in and not have to set up, not have to tear down, because in the past, when they do graduations, they had to go in and set everything up, do their graduation, then tear everything down. And it's kind of hard to be like, hey, we celebrate you, now go tear all that down. You know what I mean? Uh, and so those men got to walk walk in, turn around and walk out. And it was just incredible. So I thank you for those of you that allow that to happen financially. And if you're here and say, man, I love what the church is doing. I want to be a part of it. You can start tithing and committing your finances to the Lord right now. And so you heard different ways to do that. Uh, also, I do want to plug for a second, the marriage conference. All right. You excited about the marriage conference? Um, we are at about 70% full, and so I really want to encourage you to jump on and register for that if you can. You can do it on our app or our website. It is a $50 cost. That covers child care, lunches provided, breakfast is provided. But hey, please listen to me. If for whatever reason you can't afford that, please let us know. We don't want you to miss out on that great event. It is a one-day event. Our pastors, Ron and Kelly, will be in town to team up with us. It's just going to be incredible. And I talked to somebody after service, and they said this, and I want to say it to you. He said, can, he said I'm single. Can I come? I said, 100% you can come. Because because you're going to get knowledge and information that you can take into your future marriage and relationships. So it, it, I meant to be saying that over the past couple weeks, but if you're single and say, I want to be there, come, be there. It won't be awkward. You'll be able to have a good time. It'll be great. Amen? Amen. All right. If you got your Bibles, do me a favor. Turn to Matthew chapter six. Okay. Matthew chapter six. I want you to put your finger there. If it's on your phone, leave that open. I am going to read from a couple of Joshua scriptures, but Matthew six is going to be the content that I really want you to go home with today and memorize and stand on and, and really apply to your life. Uh, as Brian said, we are in a series called "As for me and my house. This series comes from Joshua 24 and it says this now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors that you worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Everybody say, serve, serve. The, Lord. the Lord. He goes on to say, I love this. He says, but hey, look, if serving the Lord seems indescribable or undesirable, sorry, to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Here's what he's saying. Every one of us are going to serve somebody. I talked last week how you're either going to serve yourself, you're either going to serve the world, or you're going to serve God, right? So he's just saying, hey, pick who it's going to be. If it ain't going to be God then don't be hot or, or cold. You know, don't be lukewarm, be hot or cold, that whole deal. He goes on to say, whether it's the God of your ancestors that served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in which you live now, do whatever 
But he makes a kind of a pause moment watch. He says, but don't get it twisted, as we would say back in our days. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's the declaration and the pattern, the commitment I'm asking us as a church to make is that God is not just a Sunday morning experience for an hour and a half, but that God is in our homes every day. Whether we're a student, adult, senior adult, the home that we are in serves the Lord. Amen? I want to talk to you today from this idea, it's taken care of. It's taken care of. A little while ago, I had the opportunity to go out to lunch with one of our, uh, what I would call, you know, in-town missionaries in this, in this country missionary, home missionaries, I guess you would call it, Scott Horde. And what he does is he provides an alternative for women who are looking at abortion. Uh, I love his ministry because he comes alongside the mother and says either A, we'll help you financially, B, I'll adopt the child. He, he gives different alternatives so that the young lady doesn't have to go that direction. And it's just an incredible ministry to be a part of. And if you know him, God's hand has been on his ministry from the moment he began to set out in faith with this. And I always love to get around him because he'll share with me different testimonies. And it's crazy. So for example, I met him for lunch and I saw him come in the door and he got stopped by somebody and there was a little conversation. Uh, and then he came and sat on the table. I said, what was that about? He said, oh, that was somebody I knew. They saw me and they, they said that they had five gift cards of about $150 a piece. And they thought about me and wondered if I could do something with them. He said, so I took them and said, yeah, I can give them to, you know, five different families that need diapers or food. And I'm just like, man, that's incredible. And he, he went on to tell story after story where I'm like, God, it's, it's just crazy how much God provides through your ministry. And the whole time I'm excited because I'm like, I'm about to buy his lunch and he's going to have another testimony, right? To go tell the next person. And so as the waitress came over, I just said, you know, one check, please. I'll take it. And she goes, oh, sorry. It's, it's already been taken care of. And I was like, what? You know? And so I'm looking at him like, did you already do this? And about that time, the owner of the restaurant comes over to our table, recognized him. The owner's a believer, knows what he does and says, your meal's on us. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I was like, man, I'm just going to follow you around all the time and just eat for free, you know? And, and, and then, you know, then the, the owner says, you know, he introduces me, lets him know I, I pastor Victory Church in Antioch. And he goes, I'll be right back. Owner comes back with a gift card to eat at their restaurant the next time I come. So I was like, do it, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> man, I just go around to restaurants. Like I pastor Victory Church. I eat here for free. Is that how that works? <laughs> Whatever. Um, here's my point. The, the provision of God for his people is a common theme throughout scripture. When you read Genesis to Revelation, you will constantly see God's hand of provision. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about prosperity. I want you to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a prosperity gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, however, is not a poverty gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a provision gospel. And when you follow it, you'll see God will provide land, God will provide shelter. God will provide food. God will provide resource. God obviously provides salvation. Like as you go from the beginning to the end, you see God's hand of provision. But when we don't know that, when we don't have revelation of God's faithfulness, of God's love, and we haven't submitted our life to God, then what will happen, watch this, is we will feel solely responsible for taking care of everything. If we don't understand that God's provision is on our life, we'll think we're responsible for our kids and we're responsible for our finances and we're responsible. And what happens is over time, we find ourselves on the lookout for danger and threats because we know that our provision is limited. I mentioned this last week as I stood up with this little bitty umbrella over my head and said that our provision is limited. At some point, your money runs out. At some point, your knowledge runs out. 
At some point, your resource runs out. Like our provision is limited. And when you're working on limited provision, you're constantly walking around worried about dangers and threats. And so what we do is we naturally tighten our grip when things happen. This is why somebody might be trusting God financially, but when all of a sudden a financial struggle comes, the temptation is to pull that money back. It's let's tighten the grip. It's why when something happens to our kids and we've been trusting God, but something happens, we all of a sudden feel that desire to want to pull them back, cover them again, right? Take back over control. I used to make the joke about the prophet Carrie Underwood saying, Jesus, take the wheel, and how sometimes when stuff gets crazy, we just want to snatch and take the wheel back. Even more than that, I think often we think that the concept of provision is thinking that that means the elimination of problems altogether. That in order for us to have provision, it must mean that there's no problem, no trouble, no struggle. Which means ultimately what we're asking, watch this, is we're asking for God to provide us or to create a world for us in which he is unnecessary. And he will not do that. God will never get us to a point where we are so provided for that we don't need God. The whole concept that God is teaching us is to try to rely on him daily to know that he will provide, but we are dependent on him. And we understand that God has everything, everything that we need, every need that you have, God has. When you and I start believing and living a life where God is the source, God is the source, then everything we need and everything that we receive is just a resource from God. Does that make sense? When you start to believe that God is the source for everything. So God is the source over your kids. God is the source over your relationship. God is the source over your job. God is the source over your finances. God is the source over your health, over your own body. When you start to believe that God is the source, then every blessing, every good thing that comes to you is a resource from God. Every good thing. If it's good, it's God. It doesn't matter what it is. Look, if you can pay your bills, it's because of God. If you've got kids, it's because of God. If you've got a job, it's because of God. Every good thing comes from God. And if it's not good, hear me out. He ain't done. It's how he operates. doesn't mean, and we've been preaching this, doesn't mean you won't experience trouble and hardship and struggle. But what it causes you to do is move towards God because he's your provision, because he's your source. And in that process, your intimacy with God grows, but you see God's faithfulness, and there becomes this great phenomenal relationship growth between you and Jesus. We've been studying through Joshua chapter 3, where we've been asking ourselves, when it comes to this, as for me and my house, how do you and I have a house that's led by God? Next Sunday, we'll bring the series to a close. I'm going to talk about us having vision for our home. It's going to be an incredible series, incredible message. But we walk away, and what we read in Joshua 3 was this. He said that when the Ark of the Covenant goes, get out from where you are and follow it. Now, in Joshua 3, the Ark of the Covenant was a representation of the presence of God. We in the New Testament, in this day and age, the Spirit of God is in us. It's the Holy Spirit. But, it, but then it, they would have, and it was, the presence of God was in this, what you know, kind of looked like a, a, a bin or, or a, 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 oh gosh, I'm forgetting the word now, like a toy chest that's moving, right? And they're following it, and that's the presence of God. So here's what Joshua says. When that thing moves, you get out from where you are, and you follow it. So we said that, and we taught that, but then we came back and said, but wait a minute. How do we do that? How do we follow God? How do we make sure that God leads our home and God leads our marriage and God leads our kids? Like, it sounds great, but let's get practical. And then we said inside that Ark of the Covenant were three items, and we took out all three of those items and kind of looked at the symbolism of those items and used how those apply to our life. So week one, 
We pulled out the law of Moses, the tablet of the law, and that was symbolization of the word of God. And we talked about how you and I should build our life on the foundation of the word of God. And everything we should do, we should go to the word of God and build our life on it. Last week, we talked about the rod of Aaron and how that represented authority and how we should all submit our life to the authority of God. And I brought out a small umbrella symbolizing your authority. I brought out a broken umbrella symbolizing the world's authority. And then I brought out a regular umbrella. Then that was the symbolization of God's authority. And I said that you and I should build our life on the foundation of God. And then we should submit ourselves to the covering and the authority of God. So, so if you were looking at a house, the ground would be, the floor would be God and the ceiling or the roof would be God. So the final thing in the Ark of the Covenant is this. It was the golden pot of manna. That represented God's daily provision, okay? The, the key to manna was this, that the aspect of manna, that the lesson behind manna was that you and I would put all of our trust and all of our dependence in God. It was to teach us to rely on God to provide for us daily, okay? So let me explain to you, let me give you a little bit of context of what would happen. You had the children of Israel, God's people, they're in the wilderness, They'll be in it for 40 years, and in this particular time, they're asking for God's provision, for God to provide for them nourishment. And God says, I'm going to send you manna. And so here's what he teaches them. He says, when you wake up in the morning, you'll go outside of your tent, and you will gather the manna, the food that you and your family need for today. He says, don't get more than what you need. Don't try to collect it and keep it for you know, a rainy day. Get just what you need for today. And some people didn't believe him, so they got more. And when they woke up the next morning, there were maggots. As God says, if you get extra, I'm going to ruin it. What he was teaching them was the principle of depending on God daily. For you and I to wake up this morning and go, God, I'm trusting you for your provision over my life and over my family and over my finances. And when I lay my head down tonight, I will say, thank you, God, for providing me. And when I wake up tomorrow, I will trust in you again. Make sense? This is what the word of God wants us to understand, church, that we could get to a place where we are relying on God daily, that whatever it is. It's why where I believe he's teaching us that build the foundation on his word. Watch this. I just believe this with my heart. If your foundation is the word of God, if your covering is the authority of God, then according to his promise in scripture, he will provide for everything in between. That makes sense? If, if the foundation of your life is the word of God, if you're doing what the word of God says, if the authority above you that you're submitting to is the authority of God, and so you're following and acting out his scripture, then everything in between that happens to you, God is providing for. Now listen to me. We can't get to a place where we are expecting God's provision without those other things. I said last week, we're all familiar with the phrase, as long as you live in this house, and that with the blessing came rules. And when we do those things, when we build our life on the word and we submit to God's authority, then his promise that he made, we can rely on that he will provide. But we can't step out of that and ask God to provide. See what I'm saying? We have to make those choices and those decisions. And as a result of that, God's promise that he made us stands firm that he will provide for everything. There was this woman, she lived in an apartment complex, 
and the apartment complex had very thin walls. And she was a God-fearing, God-loving woman. She was a prayer warrior. And so you could often hear her praying. She prayed about everything. And it just so happened the next door to her in the apartment lived an atheist. And he couldn't stand it. He just, every time he'd hear her pray, he'd just roll his eyes and it made him so mad. So one day the lady is wanting to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So she goes to her pantry to make her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and she has no bread. And so she starts to pray, God, pray that you would you know, give me bread so I can have a sandwich. And she's just having this prayer time. And the next door neighbor can hear her. And it's infuriating him. He's getting mad. He's like, this is insane. The woman's praying for bread. Why don't she just go to the store and buy some bread? Why is she praying for bread? Like that? <laughs> so he gets this great idea. So he runs to his pantry and he gets his bread. And he walks out of his apartment complex and he, or apartment door, goes over to her apartment door and sets the bread on her little doorstep, knocks on the door, and then runs and hides around the corner. So the lady comes to the door and she opens it up and she sees the bread and she goes, oh, praise God. And she starts shouting and dancing and jumping. God's provided for me. God is so faithful. By the time he jumps out, he goes, aha, As I caught you. God didn't provide for you that bread. That's my bread. I gave you that bread. All of a sudden, her face starts to change a little bit. And then she starts getting louder. Oh, God, you're so faithful. Look at you, God. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you praising God? I just told you that's my bread. She said, I'm praising my God because he provided my need for bread and he used the devil to do it. (laughs) I love that. He's faithful, church. He'll use the enemy to do it. He'll he'll use whoever he can use to do it. He's going to get you what you need. He is our provider, the provision of God. And when we submit our life to him, please listen to me. We can't be out running our own authority expecting God to provide. But when we submit to God's authority, when our foundation is the word of God, when we put God first in our lives... Listen, y'all probably all heard, if you've been in, especially with the South, you've heard the principle of tithing, and when you hear that, you immediately go to finances. I'm telling you that it's not just financial. Of course, it works financially. I think when we tithe anything, when we have quiet time in the morning, we're tithing our day to God. We're giving him the first of our day so that he will bless the rest of it. And anytime, no matter what, when we dedicate our children, when, you know, when, when we work as if we're working unto the Lord... When we do all of these things and we put God first, then we can recognize that God's the provider for everything that we need. And watch this. You ready? Then it liberates us from the fear of loss and the fear of insufficiency. When you are relying on you because you are limited, there is a moment in which you are scared of loss and scared of insufficiency. When you are relying on God for provision, who you know is unlimited, you don't find yourself in that place. And what happens is we have this paradigm shift, watch this, where we go from owner to steward. Where we understand that my kids are not mine, they're God's. My marriage is not mine, it's God's. My body is not mine, it's God's. My finances are not mine, they're God's, right? When I start to make that understanding that God is the owner and I'm the steward, it releases me from that pressure and that stewardship mindset will transform your life and it will radically change the atmosphere of your home. 
When you raise the attitude of your, as far as my house, we will serve the Lord. We will put everything first for God and trust God for provision. Last year, Casey Ray, my nine-year-old, started talking to us about wanting a fish. This became a regular conversation at our house. Dad, mom, can I get a fish? Can I get a fish? I don't like to have pets. And here's the main reason is because I know at some point I'm going to be responsible for the pet. Okay. Don't want anything to do with that. I'm not walking your dog when it's negative two. That dog will be gone. I'd be like, deuces, find yourself a home. But a fish is a little bit different, right? Because the fish can be maintained inside the heated home. You know, it's a little bit different. But I still have certain rules. Like, I don't want to take care of your fish. And so just to not even get in the weeds, I just said, no, nope, I'm not going to do it. Nope. So we get invited to some friend's Christmas party. That's one of those white elephant Christmas parties, you know, where you bring a gift and all that kind of stuff. And it comes time for us to open a gift. And I go get this, one of the last gifts there. And I open it up. And as I open it up, it is a live betta fish in like a little container. You know, and the first part of me is shocked. I'm like, are you serious, God? Like, you playing? You got jokes? You know? But then, like, I have this weird twist where now I'm excited because I'm like, first of all, didn't have to pay for it, you know? But, but and I, so I'm excited about it. So all of a sudden, I, I start raising my voice, and I'm like, guys, Casey Ray, and it's probably 15, 20 of us. I'm like, Casey Ray wanted a fish, and now we got one, and they're kind of talking loud, and I'm screaming for Casey, Casey, come here! And I'm like, whatever y'all do, don't you steal this fish from me! You know what I mean? We have all this energy, and there's all this volume, and all this excitement, and we look at the container, and that fish is, like, moving to its side, kind of going, we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, so it's like, stop Casey Ray before she goes down. I want to know she got a dead fish for Christmas. And so my friend Trent, he takes it and he goes over to like the bar top and he sits it on the bar top. And I don't, I think he might've laid hands on him. Y'all, I'm not really sure, but he's talking to him, sweet nothings, praying for him. And all of a sudden he, he comes and they're like, he's alive. He's resurrected. And we're all like, yeah, Casey, come back down and see him. And so Trent said, watch this. He said, we're going to name him Lazarus. And to this day, we call him Laz at my house because we've gotten more on an intimate level. But Laz lives. He lives. Got him a little fish mansion and everything. But I'll tell you that story. Here's why I tell you that story. The other day, I'm taking Casey Ray to school, and it's her responsibility to feed the fish. Okay? She has to feed it twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. It's her responsibility. It's her fish. Um, and so we're getting ready to go to school, and she's feeding Laz, and she looks at the tank, and she looks at me, and she goes, Dad, Laz's tank is dirty I said, baby, I know, because my wife had just mentioned it. I said, Mom says she's going to clean it today. And she goes, oh, okay. She goes, I, I would clean it, Dad, but I'd probably mess it up. And I was like, yeah, you probably would. So, you know, just let us do what we do, and, and you just do what you're supposed to do, which is feed the fish. When that moment happens, y'all, the Spirit of God started speaking to me and say, watch this. Nobody expects Casey Ray to get in the car, drive down to Petco, buy food for this fish. That's our responsibility. Nobody expects her to take this tank and dump it out and move Laz to a climate-controlled area because he's a diva, <laughs> change it all out. But nobody, that's, that's our responsibility. Her only responsibility is feed the fish. Feed the fish. You worry about what you're supposed to do, and we will worry about what we're supposed to do. I think a lot of us are stressed because we are worrying about what God's supposed to be doing instead of being focused on what he's asked us to do. 
If we will just do and steward what God has asked us to do, then you and I can rely on the faithfulness of God in the areas in which we are not supposed to do. Listen, the Bible says train them up, in in referring to your kids, train them up in the way they shall go and they will not depart from it, okay? Our only responsibility in that is to train them. To teach them the word of God. And then the word of God does what God promises. God watches over them. God protects them. That's God's responsibility. But if we start trying to do all the stuff that he's not asking us to do, we will be overwhelmed and stressed. We will be limited by our resource. And now we'll start to be worried going, we're not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. I got so much to do. I'm worried. I'm stressed. And God says, just feed the fish. You just trust me. You do what I've asked you to do. And if you do what I've asked you to do, I, God, will do what I'm supposed to do and everything will be taken care of. I feel the spirit of God so strong in that. There's somebody in here, listen to me. You are exhausted. You are worn out. You are frustrated. You are tired. You are mad at God. And you are seconds away from walking away from this idea of Christianity because you are overwhelmed. And the heart of God would tell you this morning, that's because you're doing things you're not supposed to be doing. It's because you're trying to do my job instead of trusting me and relying on me and do what I asked you to do. Amen? When we acknowledge that it's all God's anyway, y'all, we can loosen our grip. When we realize that, and I'm just going to speak for a second. I know if you don't have kids, don't, don't disconnect. But, but if I'm just using this as an example. If I trust God with my kids, I can loosen my grip. I can trust that my kids are in his hands, and I don't have to squeeze them so tight in mine. Right? We, we can have a release from the thinking that we have to fix everything. Everything that comes our way, it's my, I got to fix it. I got to figure it out. We're being taught this in our culture, especially men. Be a man, figure it out. No, surrender to God and let him figure it out, right? And when we do that, we get to experience this new dimension in our relationship with God as we rest in his faithfulness. I want you to experience rest. In Matthew chapter six, where I ask you to turn, if you got it, look at it. I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Jesus has been teaching in what the Bible refers to as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so he's preaching this sermon. Started in Matthew 5, and Jesus is preaching on everything. He's preached on the Beatitudes. He's talked through, uh, you know, uh, faith. He's talked through fasting. He's talked through loving your your enemies and your neighbors. Uh, He's talked through finances. He's talked through everything. And we're going to start reading at verse 25. I want to show you this this pivot that Jesus makes, and then I want to explain it a little bit. So if you're there with me, Matthew 6, 25, it'll be on the screen, of course. It's Jesus speaking. He says, therefore, he had just come out talking about finances. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you drink. Don't worry about your body or what you're going to wear. For is not life more than just food and the body more than just clothes? Watch this. Then Jesus goes, look at the birds in the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. 
and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I love this. Are you not much more valuable than they are? He says, can anyone by worrying add a single hour to your life? Of course not. So why do you worry? Why do you worry about clothes? And then he transitions again. Watch this. See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God, this is so good, please catch this. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow to be thrown into the fire, trampled by feet here today, gone tomorrow, if that's how he clothes the grass, how much more will he clothe you? Why such little faith? So, so, so don't worry saying, what shall I eat and what shall I drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after all these things. But your heavenly father knows you need them. Isn't that encouraging? So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. For each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, when you first read that, if you're not careful, you think for a second, Jesus went hippie on us for a second. All right, let me explain. He's talking, you know, don't worry. He's like, look at the birds. <laughs> look at the flowers, man. Peace, man. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not careful, that's kind of where you go. Like, oh, okay, Jesus. You know, I got real problems. You got to back off a little bit. But the more and more I read this, the other day I was reading it. It's a beautiful day outside. It's at my desk. And I like to try to put myself, if I can, where Jesus is in these moments, or at least where the people he's talking to are. And so I got up and I went to the backyard. And in the backyard of our house, there's kind of a field. And I just went out and I just stood out in the field and it's birds everywhere and, you know, blue skies and just grass as far as I could see. And I'm just standing there. And I start trying to picture that moment. Now watch. All of a sudden, I start to realize that Jesus is standing in front of a crowd of people who are very diverse. And he's trying to communicate the truth of the word of God. And in that group of diverse people are many, 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 many problems. And in that crowd is a young couple who are desperately trying to figure out how to have a successful marriage. They're young. They fight a lot. Not really sure what the model even looks like and they're listening to Jesus. And that same group is a single mom who's trying her best to figure out how to raise these children on her own and help lead them to follow Jesus. In that same crowd is a mom and dad who they have their first child and they are so worried about whether or not they're going to raise this kid up right. In that same crowd is a young person who's watching his dad and his uncles. He's looking at Jesus and he's got all these dreams and aspirations about what he can do for God. 
in that same crowd is somebody who the last time they went fishing, they didn't catch as much fish as they thought they were going to do, so their finances are low. And here's what I'm trying to tell you is in that crowd, everywhere you look, it's worry, 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 worry. All diverse, all different. Because we're all in different seasons of life and we're all facing different worries. And Jesus sees it. And so I think Jesus pivots and says, hey, whoa, whoa, listen to me. Do not worry about your life. He's saying, I'm right here, don't worry. And, you know, he starts talking about why would you worry about what to eat and what to wear? And I don't, maybe he's losing them, I'm not sure. And about that time, I just imagined this bird came flying across and Jesus went, hey, hey. Look at that bird. Everybody looks and he says, hey, that bird doesn't sow. That bird doesn't reap. That bird doesn't worry about where he's going to eat. And he's a bird. How much more will my father provide for you? And he goes, hey, look, see? See that flower right there? I started thinking about the flower and I had this thought. All over the world are flowers, watch this, that none of us will ever lay our eye on. Somewhere out in this world, flowers are going to grow, come to life, and die, and not one of us will actually lay an eye on it. Yet God still clothes that flower better than he would close Solomon. So if God cares that much about the birds, and he cares that much about the flowers, how much more would he care for you? Because watch this. If you took a bird and a flower and you, only one of those was created in the image of God. How much more does he want to provide for you? Here's what I think God is trying to tell us. Look at the provision for the bird and look at the provision for the flower. Watch this. And let it build your faith in his provision for you. Amen? Don't worry. Lean into God. When I was reading about the flower, a couple of things spoke out to me. Number one is it said that the flower doesn't labor or spin. Which I thought was interesting because I've, in 39 years of living, I've never seen a flower spin before. Didn't know that was a thing. So I had to do a little bit of study on that, and I realized that Jesus, it's more of a metaphor because what Jesus is talking about is just the concept of worry. And I started thinking about you, and I started thinking about me. I started thinking about how we step into a scenario where we want to serve Jesus and watch this is what we do. You know, God, I want to trust you, but I'm worried about my kids, and I lost my job, and I've still got to pay for braces and my car just broke down and my marriage is on the rocks and that extra bill came and my friend won't talk to me and I'm worried about my kids and my car broke down and I gotta pay for braces and I lost my job and that unexpected bill came and I'm worried about my kids and my car broke down and I lost my job and I gotta pay for braces you see what I mean? And we just find ourselves 
Whereas no matter how bad we want to trust God, it's just one thing after another. And so what are we doing? We're spinning. We're going around and around and around. And here's what I felt the Spirit of God tell me. Instead of spinning, let's just surrender. Let's just surrender. Let's say, God, I don't want to do this without you. As much as I want all of these things for my kids and my relationships and my dreams, I don't want to be responsible for it. I don't want to do it without you. And so I surrender. But watch this. I, I got a nugget for I didn't. I didn't do this for first service. I forgot. So you're special because you came to second service. You ready? Listen. Here was the other thing he said about the flower that, that really knocked me off my seat. He said they don't labor or spin, but he said they grow. Catch that? It's the one thing that they do just because of the way God made them. It's the thing that they do automatically. Laboring and spinning would be something they'd have to go out of their way to do. It'd be something that would cause me and you to go, that's not like a flower to spin. But none of you walk past a flower that's growing and go, that's strange because it's doing what it's supposed to do. Come on, the Spirit of God right now, if we will do what we're supposed to do, if we'll do what God created us to do, if we'll do what's natural to us and stop trying to do the things that are not natural, we will find peace and comfort in Him. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Oh, God, you're so faithful. My prayer right now is that people would feel your Holy Spirit in their heart. As much as I want to relay your spirit and your heart and your love, I'll never be able to. So right now, would you do it? Would you do it? I want to share one, one last quick story. But I, at this moment, I want to invite, if you're getting baptized today, I want to encourage you, you can go ahead and make your way and get ready for that. Share one last story with you. I shared this story, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, but it was from a different context, and the Spirit of God kept bringing it back to me during studying for this message. But there was this time where Casey Ray had saved up some money. And y'all, she likes to buy stuff. You know, I don't, it's weird. I don't, she likes to buy stuff just to buy stuff, okay? Like she buys it, opens it, throws it, let's go buy something else. So normally when she wants stuff, we're like, we're not going. But she had raised, it was like 10 bucks. She had like 10 bucks. She wanted to go to Target. She wanted to go buy something. So I said, all right, let's go. So we get to the store, walk into the aisle, and she finds this toy that she really, really wants. And I look at the price underneath the toy, and it's $9.99. I'm smart enough to know how taxes work, so I know she doesn't have enough. She, she legally can't buy this toy. But I don't say anything. And so we finish doing what we're doing, and we get in line. She goes to check out. She's doing it. Let me do it, Daddy. She does it, and it rings up, and it's like, I don't, you know, let's just say it was 10.63. And she looks at me, and you can see it in her face, like, uh-oh. I said, baby, let me see your $10. And she handed me her $10. I took her $10. I put it in my pocket, and I said, I'll pay for it. I pulled my credit card out, paid for it. We walked out with her toy, and as we're walking out, we're holding hands. She's like, thank you, Dad. She had done what she was supposed to do. But through her being a good steward, she still didn't have enough. But because I'm her dad, because I'm her father, I will always be there to provide for where she doesn't have. Can I let you in on a little secret? 
That little girl's got me wrapped around her finger, y'all. And there's times where I act real big and real hard. But I'm so in love with her. And so when she's in a moment where she needs provision, until the day I die, she can trust that her dad will be there for whatever she needs. Now, I wish I could tell you that's in me because I'm a good person. It's in me because it's the character of God. It's the same way he feels about you. And if there's ever a moment in your life where you have stewarded and done what God has asked you to do, but you come up short, you can guarantee that your heavenly father will be there to cover. We got in that car. She was in the back seat. I reached in my pocket. I grabbed that $10 bill. I handed it to her. I said, keep your money. Because that is the spirit of God. That's the kind of provision he wants to be in your life. But you got to let him. And that's what gives him the authority to look at you and say, don't worry. Don't worry. Close your eyes right now. Holy Spirit, I pray for every person in this room, whatever it is that they're worrying about right now. Come on, wherever you are, whatever you're worrying about, if you're worried about your finances, if you're worried about a relationship, if you're worried about your kids, if you're worried about your job, if you're worried about whether or not your dreams are going to happen, if you're worried about whether God's walking with you, if you can hear the voice of God, if you're worried about what tomorrow looks like, whatever your worry is right now, would you just surrender? Come on, however you would do that, put your hands up, put them out, whatever. Just have a moment, please, of complete surrender to God. Hear his voice saying, look at the bird. The bird doesn't worry. Look at the flower. The flower doesn't worry. And you are more to him. You mean more to him. So come on, reach out. Hallelujah, Jesus, lean in. Father, your word says that you lean into the brokenhearted. Father, you lean into those in need. Come on, let us just have a moment. Just tell them with your own words. Begin to tell them, say, Father, I need you. I need you. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my finances. I need you when I go into school tomorrow. I need you when I go into work tomorrow. I need you because of my dreams. I need you. I need you. I need you. Now let's turn this around and let's make this prayer and and proclamation to him. Come on, the words say, I trust in God. So if you believe that, if you're surrendering it instead of spinning, make that your declaration. Sing it from your heart. Sing it from your spirit, Father. We love you. We trust you.